Alrighty. Wanna go ahead and read the thing? Yeah. The attendees of the annual Denora Halloween Parade were having difficulty seeing the children in their costumes, little ghostly figures nearly invisible in a haze of yellow and gray. Friends and family waved ineffectually at the yellow fog, first trying to clear their vision, and then in desperation as it settled into their lungs. Two days later, the first person died. Over the next two days, 19 more deaths would follow. The hospitals would become filled with people desperately gasping for breath, people suffocated in their sleep or in the streets, the local funeral homes ran out of caskets. If not for a heavy rain the following day, the casualties would have been much, much higher. This is a story of industry and economics being put ahead of public health, a story of greed and avarice, taking 20 lives, and it could have been many more. On this episode of Relative Disasters, the deadly 1948 Donora Smog. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my sister and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm... Greg, Director of Public Health Policy here at the Relative Disasters Group. And I'm his sister, Ella, Air Quality Analyst at Relative Disasters Industries. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for that horrific story. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a, this is not a happy tale full of fun. Uh, this is, this one's pretty gross. Um, so, uh, some background. Denora, Pennsylvania. Uh, was... Are we back in Pennsylvania again? Pennsylvania is cursed. <laughs> not only are we back in Pennsylvania, but we're going to cross paths with Carnegie and his friends again. Ooh, I hope it's a library story. It's not, unfortunately. So, Bummer. Denora, Pennsylvania was incorporated in 1901. It sits on the once beautiful Monongahela River, about 30 miles south of Pittsburgh. Uh, the good. city geographically is enclosed in a valley. It's got these big cliffs around it, and across the river from it is the town of Webster. So, uh, it was mostly farmland until 1902, when Carnegie Steel set up a plant, and by 1908, Denora had the largest volume of railroad freight traffic in the region. Now, this is Andrew Carnegie, right? Oh, yeah. This is okay. Carnegie Steel. He had just sold it for millions and millions and millions of dollars to mm -hmm. to uh, the conglomeration that would eventually become U.S. Steel. So right. it's it's not technically under Carnegie's control right at this exact moment. He's just sold it to what would become U.S. Steel. Right. He's going to go on the libraries in uh, 1901, right? Sure. He's a busy guy. Got a lot of uh, public good to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so the other major metals factory that set up was the Denora Zinc Works. Ooh, that started zinc. operation in 1915. And within a few years, the American Steel and Wire Company was paying fines for air pollution. 
Hey! Now, are so, they mining or just manufacturing? Yes, they are manufacturing. They're manufacturing steel, wire, and um, various zinc things. Uh, the thing about zinc mm-hmm. uh, is that it's gross. It's a very pretty metal. I want to disagree with you. It's got a very nice luster yeah. to it. No, it's a very it's a very pretty metal. But part of the zinc smelting process mm-hmm. generates fluorine gas. Oh, you say that like it's a bad thing. I do say that like it's a bad thing, especially when you combine it with the other really horrifying things coming off of the smokestacks at the Denora Zinc Works and the American Steel and Wire Plant. Okay. We have a toxic soup floating up into the air. Of hydrogen fluoride, sulfur dioxide, sulfuric acid, nitrogen dioxide, and fluorine gas. Are any of those good for people? None of them are good for people. Most of them are lethal for people in the proper amounts. They sound kind Uh, of poisonous. So all this stuff goes up into the air, and that's totally fine. No problems whatsoever. Right. As we know from the Lorax, famously... Famously, nothing, nothing bad, bad happens. ever happens from industry. <laughs> from industry. So. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, the problem with all this stuff is that um, it it does not actually float away. It just sort of floats and floats down. I mean, so that's the, people... the intention with those tall smokestacks, right? You get it up above a certain level and it's supposed to dissolve in the air and blow somewhere yeah, else. sort of. Um, the problem is that the the topography is not good for that because you've got the river mm-hmm. and then this little valley here. The stuff that should go up and sort of blow away and be diffused into the wind mm-hmm. doesn't do that very well. A lot of it comes back down and settles. Mm-hmm. And so people are breathing this stuff. Okay. Uh, there was there was one uh, one interesting quote that was uh, somebody remarking that when they would go home for uh, lunch from school, the streetlights would be on. Oh no! Yeah. Oh, that's very ominous. It's not okay. Great. It's not great. No, I don't um, love that. So normally, what winds up happening is because the city sits in this sort of valley horseshoe thing Mm -hmm. you get these winds um usually prevailing western winds that will sweep the fumes out and you know take them away sure for the most part and then you get the leftovers that settle back down and it's just gross okay okay so you've got zinc and steel manufacturing effluents hanging in the air And then another bad thing happens. So we got this weird weather event, basically. Okay. What wound up happening in October of 1948 was that the cold air started to move in. Mm -hmm. But because the temperature was changing, and generally they have fairly mild winters in Donora. Okay. um, There was still a lot of warmer air including all that stuff coming out of the smokestacks, mm-hmm. billowing upwards. But with the cold air above it, it creates this phenomenon called temperature inversion. And temperature inversion, very simply, is 
when the warm air tries to rise Mm -hmm. and it hits that cold air, it gets cooled and falls down. And then it might get warmed back up and head back up, but keeping in this cycle. So you've got sort of this, it's almost like the water cycle in miniature where just a lot of bouncing (laughs) exactly and it's all fumes that's so it's just such a horrifying image oh yeah just like this permanent fog that goes up and down but never goes away exactly and it and it doesn't uh this hadn't really happened before Mm -hmm. in in donora has it happened at other places? It can. It can happen anywhere that you have a lot of pollutants coming out of smokestacks. But Denora was like uniquely suited because of its its geographical location. Because mm-hmm. it was sort of in this trapped valley. There right. Was no, there was nowhere for the smog to go. So um, the zinc and steel plants had been sued uh, by farmers living in nearby Webster it, in the early 1920s, they they were suing uh, because their crops were being killed mm-hmm. uh, along with their livestock and their houses were melting. I'm sorry. Yep. I was with you right up until the melting houses. Their houses yeah. were melting, Greg? Yep. Are so you sure? One of the things that's that that happens when you mm-hmm. have a bunch of these toxic chemicals is that they will eat away at um, certain structures. Uh, including wood. Okay. So nearby Webster farmers tried to sue the steel and zinc plants um, for pollution damages, including the damages to their health. Right. However, uh, U.S. Steel had more lawyers than they did. They do have very good lawyers. Yep. And they certainly had many more. And they basically just stalled out the process until um, it went away. Because that's how you win these sort of court cases. And then... Uh, but there's it, not really an argument here, right? The no, farmers can show no argument damage. Yes. And the farmers can show damage. There is the damage ex- isn't coming from yep. the steel and zinc plants. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we have the melting house, and then we have the pollution causing the melting house. And the courts yep. were just like, sorry. You want to you know what really gets me? <laughs> Literally one of, the, one of the court arguments was... The science is unclear. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm a layperson. Yeah. And I'm not that bright. I'm like, I feel like if yellow fog drifts over your house and your house melts. That seems like a cause and effect, doesn't it? It really does. But, you know, it could be anything. Let's be fair. Sure. It could. It, they could have, you know, the house could have been made out of substandard materials. It could have been melting on its own and the yellow fog just like highlighted that. There's no way to be sure. There's really no way to prove anything. um, Okay. Because their lawyers made sure there wouldn't be. Uh, The other other fun factoid from this is that uh, the zinc plant did actually have a plan in place to upgrade their furnaces to produce less smoke. Okay, that sounds uh, like a good thing. It was a great thing. It was abandoned in 1948 for economic reasons. Too expensive? Yeah, too expensive to, not to fix the smoke. let out the clouds of house-melting gas? Yes. Okay. That's, that's exactly correct. Uh, it would have cost the zinc plant an average of a eighth of a penny for one week. Again, I'm a layperson. <laughs> 
Uh, that seems <laughs> like a I good deal. I think I have that like in my couch cushions. Like, are you sure? But it's it, per per unit of zinc manufactured at that time. It would have cost them for one solid week an eighth of a of a cent for each of those zinc units, and that that sir is just a cost we cannot afford to bear. Right, because uh, obviously they're not making money. No, no, they're barely scraping by. Okay, barely. Well, now it I all mean, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Once you have one yacht, you know you're not complete until you have another. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this okay, is the great. thing. So, so we're living in this sort of gross <laughs> soup, gross soup of of industry here. Okay, and, and and this is a daily occurrence. You would have smoke filling the city streets no. from the steel mills and the zinc works, and if you had a problem with it. Well, you didn't, because if you lived in Denora, nine-tenths of you worked at those mills. And you were not allowed to, like, advocate for better working. There wasn't a union. No, no. There, there was, no, uh, no. this okay. was very much a case of, of you are going to take You know, it your, didn't sound like there was a union, but no. I just wanted to uh, cross you're, you're my gonna, T's there. There, there were about 14,000 people living in Denora. Okay. And estimates range anywhere from twelve to 13,000 of them were employed at the steel mills and zinc works in some capacity. Yep, and the rest were in elementary school. That will do it. Choking. So, right. uh, the problem, the problem is, is that, um, as you know, from labor laws in the 1940s, um, <laughs> such if, as they are, <laughs> such as they were, especially in the, the industrial regions of the United States at the time, uh, basically you went to work, you kept your mouth shut because if you opened it, you didn't have work anymore. So nobody, nobody treated this as anything other than cost of doing business that is so depressing i don't even know where to start with that one okay yeah yep okay so in 1948 on october 27th which was a wednesday that cold front moved in and hung over the valley so we got that nice bouncing up and down effect of the toxic gases and fumes mm -hmm. and this uh, fog is almost uniformly described as yellow. So you're walking through the street and it's everything's yellow and you can't see. Uh, there, there's a, a, a fun anecdote where they had a hometown football team, the Donora Dragons. Uh, they had they had a game. They had a game. Uh -huh. uh, they had to uh, stick with running the ball because if they tried to throw the ball, they couldn't see it. Okay. Yeah. I just so. It it's it's at, first of at, all yellow is the wrong color for fog Second first of all, all yellow is the wrong passes. color for air yes your football air should not, be not yellow. that long you're not no not not generally they're they're certainly less than 100 yards and the thing is is that um at the worst point of the smog it was mm -hmm. literally you could not see in front of yourself Shop, uh, a shopkeeper was quoted as saying basically that he stepped outside and turned his ankle because he couldn't see the curb it's just so horrifying. I mean, that's like surface yep. of Venus weather. That should not be occurring on Earth. No, not so much, no. Okay, great. We're off to a wonderful start. Can't wait to see how this ends up. Well, what winds up happening is the sun goes down on Wednesday, mm -hmm. October 27th, and so things cool even more. Right. There are eight doctors in the town of Denora. Okay. And 
all eight of them are getting call after call, desperate for help, as people are choking to death in their living rooms and beds. Oh, damn. Yeah. The local fire department Mm -hmm. sent out its firefighters with oxygen tanks. Uh, They would make their way through the city, feeling their way across the streets, Mm -hmm. because, again, they couldn't see delivering oxygen tanks to homes but of course they they only had the oxygen that the firefighters had right so it would be like i can give you three breaths and then i gotta move on to the next house yeah that's not gonna be enough though the hospitals filled up the fire department actually sent out some of its firefighters to nearby towns to uh, beg and plead for more oxygen tanks Mm -hmm. the one of the local doctors led the ambulance through the city by walking in front of it with a lantern. Oh, boy. When he was more than four feet ahead of them, they could not see him, just the lantern. Because I've been out in this weather before, but it's always, like, storming or incredibly dark and foggy. So It just seems wrong. The wind usually carries this stuff out. Right. It carries it out to the river, across the river, a little bit out of the way. It's the fact that the wind isn't blowing and you've got the hot air bouncing off the cold air mm-hmm. and it's trapped there. That's what made this different. Just okay. to think about how many particulates have to be in the air. Oh, we'll get into that. It's bad. <laughs> Just I'm not anticipating anything happy here. Okay. No, no. This is all bad. Great. Uh, on Saturday, October 30th, mm-hmm. uh, the first person died uh i i won't actually be naming any of the people who died uh but they uh that's when the first person died at around 2 a.m okay from the rest of that saturday october 30th until about noon on sunday 19 more people would die and the weather conditions are the same so people have just been breathing this stuff in for two days okay yep uh no five days five days five days so much worse Yes. Fortunately, uh, their savior arrived on Sunday when rain started to fall. Now, with the rain falling, it cooled the warm air. The warm air could finally uh, be swept out. Uh, There was a yellow sludge left on the streets by the rain. I Um, bet there was. And the fog finally dissipated. One of the lead doctors... Um, Dr. William Rungaus. Um, He was the one who was leading the ambulance through the streets Mm -hmm. by lantern light. He said if for the fog not lifting when it finally did, he believed, quote, the casualty list would have been a thousand instead of 20, end quote. Yeah, not many of us can survive breathing in toxic waste for extended (laughs) periods of time. There's a reason why we live on Earth and not Venus. Exactly, yes. Yes, the breathing toxic waste thing is is always a problem. Gotta breathe. So, uh, the next thing that winds up happening... Tell me it doesn't get worse. Oh, it gets worse. Great. Sorry. (laughs) It always does on this podcast. (laughs) I mean, come on. So one of the problems was that during the entire time that the fog was hanging there, Mm -hmm. the plants were still in operation. Well, we can't shut down. No, 
no, you got to keep you got to keep that industry working. So even as the pollutants are being kept at ground level for people to breathe in, mm-hmm. they're just pumping more and more and more and more of them out there. Was there any kind of like mitigation from the factories? Did they like cut back? Did they try to ventilate anything? So just business as usual. The mayor of Donora sent a request on Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, to ask them to temporarily cease operations, and they did. Great. Of course, that was Sunday, five days into it, and as soon as the rain came. The next day, they just started started back back up up again. Yeah. So they did take a break. They did. They took almost 24 hours off. And I'm sure that the people in charge uh, should be heralded for sacrificing the amount of money that they they must have lost uh, in that almost less than 24 hours of not pumping that stuff up there. Well, we know Um, that they're struggling because they can't afford to pay that eighth of a cent every week. Exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. It would would have been just for that one week. It was was an eighth of a cent on every load of zinc for one solid week. That 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 would have been the cost. Yeah. Yeah, it does sound. We know they're struggling. They're the real heroes here. They're the ones who stopped production for almost twenty-four hours uh, before resuming it right away. I don't think I've ever heard you use that that particular sarcastic tone i know your other ones but that's a new one Mm, that's my i've given up all hope in people one (laughs) it's very gentle i like it (laughs) Ah, hurts hurts yep so the first thing that winds up happening Mm -hmm. is people uh want to know what happened right hey that's usually where i start the problem here of course is that um Again, almost everybody works in the steel mill, um, including the people in the town council. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, so you really don't want to to have your workplace run into trouble over this. So... I mean, it really depends on the workplace, Greg. When the first investigators showed up to take a look at what had happened, Mm -hmm. they were literally run out of town with handguns. Who was sending these investigators out? Was it the state? The state and the United States Public Health Service both sent investigators. Mm-hmm. The mill bosses were trying to find another culprit for the incident, uh, as you do. As and you do. So when they sent investigators to the town, uh, according to author Devra Davis, the Quote, first investigators were run out of town by people with handguns, end quote. You want people to know you're, you're uh, serious. <laughs> you want them to find the right truth. Not, not the is... truth truth, but the right truth, right? So, this is getting very dark. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the factory owners and mm-hmm. uh, the people from the state did sort of reach an agreement because they, they didn't want this sort of thing to happen again. So a few weeks yeah, later... Yeah, I think we can all agree that this is a bad thing that shouldn't happen again. Yes. Right? Uh, so the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania called upon the federal government to launch an investigation. And sure. this was one of the first major investigations done by the United States Public Health Service. Hey! Hey! And they um, fixed everything, right? Nope. So the problem is, <laughs> is that 
Uh, mm-hmm. The federal government didn't actually have much power over pollution controls in state and local areas. This is well before the Clean Air Act. This is before any of that nonsense. Basically, they could file a recommendation, and that was about as much power as they had. Um, Can they, they sent... find people? Oh, they they cannot. No, I'm sorry. I thought you said, did they find people? They found <laughs> lots of people. I was assuming um, they found people. They can't. No, they had no power to issue fines. Okay. Uh, they sent 25 investigators to Donora and Webster. Mm-hmm. They inspected the crops and livestock. They measured the air pollution. They checked the meteorological conditions. They checked the wind speeds. They interviewed a bunch of residents. And they discovered that of the 14,000 or so people living there, uh, nearly half of them had experienced symptoms. Okay. And that the American Steel and Wire Plant and Donora Zinc Works were spewing a bunch of nasty, nasty things into the air. No. Wow, I did not see that coming. So, I mean, it's a shock to everybody. Yep. This is my favorite quote. Quote, If you look at the x-rays of their lungs, they looked like the survivors of poison gas warfare. End quote. And that's a U.S. government official who's saying that? Yes. Great. Now, of course, uh, this report was released the next year in October of 1949, and a couple of things went into it. Uh, They didn't want to tick off big business. So they pointed out the fact that, uh, yes, the mills were putting out a whole bunch of gross stuff, Mm -hmm. but that weird temperature inversion that we talked about was largely responsible for trapping the smog there. It's Mother Nature's fault. So what that did was that gave the Donora Zinc Works cover to declare uh, this an act of God. It's an act of God. And that they oh, were not... I was wondering when we were going to get to that. There it is. They were not responsible for it. There it they is. not responsible for it. All right. Uh, so... Um, Boy, what a relief, because I thought they must have been responsible for it. I thought they must have been responsible for it, but you know what? It's good to find out that they weren't. So a lot of the locals kind Mm -hmm. of pointed out that, you know, other towns have temperature inversions, Mm -hmm. and they don't die choking to death in their living rooms. Resident Lois Bainbridge wrote a letter to Pennsylvania Governor James Duff at the time. Remember James Duff? I do. Here we go. She wrote a letter uh, that stated, quote, There is something in the zinc works causing these deaths. I do not want men to lose their jobs, but your life is more precious than your job. End quote. Lois, I feel like we're on the same page here. <laughs> yep. Lois is in the right. Uh, other people skipped writing letters to their governor and congressman, and they just filed lawsuits against American Steel and Wire. However, uh, sorry, act of God. Yeah, you and can't you can't sue someone for an act of God. You I can't. mean, you can, but you, you won't can, win. But you're not going to win, exactly. Yeah, the uh, lawyers will get paid, but you're not going to win. Yes, uh, the steel company did finally uh, reach a settlement in 1951. Hmm. <laughs> Was that one eighth of a cent for every dead body? Oh, it it, it really should have been. Um, <laughs> it's just so bad. So. They settled uh, for two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. 
uh, per person? Div- divided up among the 80 survivors who had participated in the lawsuit. I'm sorry, divided? Yep. What does that uh, work out to you? So that would work out to just a little under $3,000 each. Now, sure, do you want to guess how it. much you want to guess how much court costs cost? I'm going to guess $3,000 a piece. Just around that amount, yeah. Huh. So, well, uh so the people technically uh won the lawsuit except that they didn't really because the details of the settlement specifically do not place any blame on the steel company. So they won, but not in the sense where they won. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. They were able to uh, settle the lawsuit without accepting any blame. Um, so now we're going to talk about one of our actual heroes here. Please. I'm ready for an actual hero. <laughs> we're going to talk about a woman named Mary Amder. All right. All right. Mary Amder was a biochemist and she worked for uh the harvard school of public health in 1949 as part Mm -hmm. of a team uh under philip drinker now the american smelting and refining company funded drinker to investigate the denora smog now whenever a corporation funds a study what are they looking for because i'll I'll, I'll clue you in. It's not the unvarnished truth. <laughs> is it confirmation bias? It's what they're looking for is a way to show that they're not at fault. So, so this uh, is with, a separate company from the Zinc this Company, is the right? American Smelting and Refining Company, which had interests in the plants, but wasn't directly running them. So are they um, in any kind of a position to pass judgment on uh, what happened in Denora? Yes. Um, they wanted what they wanted to do was they wanted to fund Drinker's team to investigate the smog to show that sulfuric acid and sulfur dioxide didn't hurt people. No, they're great, actually. I breathe in <laughs> a bunch with my green smoothie every morning. It keeps yep. me uh, regular. It keeps you young, yes. Uh, so in 1953, Mary Amder and her husband Benjamin, uh, they ran a little experiment. And in that experiment, they proved conclusively that uh, inhaling sulfuric acid and sulfur dioxide uh, will kill you. Uh, it will give you lung disease. It will make you, uh, it will be incredibly hard to breathe. You will lose weight. You will scar your lungs. And she wrote a paper on the effects of sulfuric acid on human lung tissue. Mm-hmm. with re- direct reference to the 1948 smog. She attempted to present this to the American Industrial Hygiene Association. You would think they would be interested. At which point, uh, two large burly men stepped into an elevator with her and threatened her with physical violence. Oh my God, you're kidding. I'm That's not. so Perry Mason. Isn't it great? <laughs> Yeah, I don't like that at all. But on a narrative level, I'm like, yeah. that's, oh, a sloppy, it, it, that's it's a sloppy detail. It's right there. It's right there. I know. It's just the chef's kiss on this nonsense. Uh, she presented it anyway. Because of course she did. She's Mary Amder is a boss. Okay. Um, but as soon as she presented it, uh, well, the American Smelting and Refining Company didn't like that. So they said, uh, you know what? We're giving you the money. So they went to Philip Drinker and said, 
we will pull funding if you don't shut her up. So when Amder returned from the American Industrial Hygiene Association meeting, Drinker said that she needed to pull her name from the paper and withdraw the paper from the the journal The Lancet, mm-hmm. um, even though it had already been accepted. Amder told him to go pound sand, and uh, so she was fired. And the paper was never published because since she was no longer part of the research team, she didn't have the uh, publication grounds anymore. I don't like that at all. I don't like it at all. But she continued onward. Can I just, can we just pour one out for the people at the United uh, Smelting Association for funding a study that they had to have (laughs) known was going to come back? Not in their favor. You know, it's kind of like all those tobacco like studies. Like, how delusional like, do you have to be to be like, oh, you no, know no, what? No, 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 no. It's not delusional. It's it's you're paying a science team but to say what you want works. them to say. Of course it's not how science works, but this is how we get all of these science denial papers, dude. The whole point of collecting data is to learn something. Yes, and, and if you learn something that directly affects your business, the whole point is to shut it down so it never gets out there. There's lots of debate on this topic. You know, I there's know, two sides. I I just, there's two sides to each issue. Is there, though, when one side is like, hey, this is really dangerous. We shouldn't be doing this because it objectively has Kills people. <laughs> <laughs> the effect of killing people. Like, yes, that's what the data says. Yes. But does it really? I mean, if you look at it really carefully, does it really say that? I especially, feel like it does, Greg. Especially if we decide not to fund your study, because the study doesn't say anything if we withdraw all the funding from it. And then, like, you won't be able to make payments on your new car. So what does it really say? You know? I just hate this. Oh, I hate okay. all of this. Okay. I hate it all. <laughs> I'm just going to sit it's... over here and hate it for you. Uh, yep. So Great. anyway... Mary Amder did not give up the fight. Uh, She continued to research on air pollution in another part of Harvard until she left the school finally in 1977. She moved her research to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Right down the street. And uh, focused on exactly what sulfuric acid does to people when they inhale it. She... Uh, ended up finally at the Institute of Environmental Medicine at New York University in 1989, uh, having saved many, 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 many lives uh, by identifying and pointing out a whole bunch of stuff that's bad for people to breathe and putting it in writing. I mean, that's really important work. Once it's in writing. Once it's in writing and scientifically published and peer-reviewed, yeah, good. Uh, the Society of Toxicology gave her a Career Achievement Award. The American Academy of Industrial Hygiene Council gave uh, her their highest award. Ooh, the Golden and, Toilet. Uh, no, the Henry F. Smith Award. <laughs> That's so much less fun. <laughs> I know, it should be a good What should a hygiene award look like? Um, and, and basically, her contributions to toxicology and our, and our understanding of specifically sulfur in many different forms uh it's it's uh it's damage to human beings our research on that would not be uh anywhere without her and she i have one quote 
to share with you about her. Please. This is from John Spengler here. Uh, quote, at every step along the way, people tried to pull the rug out from under her. In fact, she got it right years before the rest of us. The world only caught up with her several decades later, by which time so many people had confirmed what she had found that it could no longer be discounted. End quote. Thanks, Mary. Yep. So that's our, our, our uh, as close as we get to a hero here, Mary Amder, uh, doing the Lord's work. Doing the Lord's the work there, yeah. Fighting the good fight. So, with the legal stuff in in the works, mm-hmm. uh, and that that uh, that public health service report basically doing nothing but just ticking people off. Yeah, <laughs> but why? <laughs> well, it did it did lead to one good thing in 1950. President Harry S. Truman convened the first National Air Pollution Conference. Yay! Directly citing Donora as why we needed it. <laughs> um, so the president understood yeah. that uh, air quality was an issue. But keep in mind that um, basically all they could really do at the federal level was call for more research. Uh, research is important. But what it did was it finally paved the way uh, 13 years later in 1963 for Congress to pass the first Clean Air Act. Awesome. Yes. And then everything was perfect. No. Uh, Hey. Sorry. So (laughs) in the months and years after the incident, Mm -hmm. the rate of death from cardiovascular disease, lung disease, and cancer in Donora was significantly elevated. Yeah. Uh, likely, and of course, we can't prove this because it's, you know, all this other stuff, but there were likely thousands more deaths that should be attributed to the fog incident mm-hmm. because of the way that the human body deals with fine particulate matter. Yeah, you get those metals in your system. They You get those metals collect. in your system. They do. They collect particularly in your bloodstream, which slows your blood down and gives you a stroke or a heart attack. You know, six of one, half dozen of the other. It's uh, it's all good. It's good stuff. It's all bad. No, all of it sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> while public health was normally pointed at epidemics, mm-hmm. things like cholera and polio, this really did, uh, again, thanks to President Truman convening that air pollution conference, this really did start to turn things towards recognizing man-made environmental factors as uh, incredibly damaging to Sure. Well, that's a good thing. Yes, it is a good thing. So the zinc plant closed down in 1957. The steel plant closed in 1966. And the research that came out of this uh, proved conclusively that Large exposure to large amounts of pollution over a short period of time will kill you. Uh, this is not uh, this is not a a bunch of environmental alarmism. This is not you know hippies walking around in circles with signs. This is if you breathe out the smokestack, you gonna die. Uh, you can you can have the hippies if you want them. I think they're fun. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and it did really set off the. Uh, clean air movement as far as it went in the United States. 
Um, the Donora Smog Museum was opened up on October 20th, 2008. I'm sorry, the what? The Donora Smog Museum. Okay. Sidebar? Yeah. Okay. I think I need a sidebar there. All right. So it, uh, it was set up in, uh, uh, on McKeon Avenue near 6th Street in an old storefront. Oh, I thought you were going to say a Carnegie Library. Oh, God, wouldn't that have been great? That would have been uh, perfect. It partners with the California University of Pennsylvania, and that is a hilarious name. Um, <laughs> is it named after California? Is the this California like the Miami Institute, University in Ohio? The California University of Pennsylvania is a public university in mm-hmm. the town of California. There it is. Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Confusion erased. Thank Confusion you for saving me from erased. a Google search. So, Cal U of P, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so what they do is is they have partnered with them to develop a digital collection. Cool. Uh, of the primary sources stuff that is uh, archived on the site of the museum. And uh, it's actually available online. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, and the Smog Museum itself has a Nice collection of archived materials documenting the smog, the temperature inversion, and all of the toxic nastiness that killed people. It has a little sign hanging outside that says, Clean Air Starts Here. Those hippies, they're everywhere. Love it. Love it. The town of Denora now uh, has a- around 6,000 people living in it. Mm-hmm. Um the industries in the area employ, employ about a thousand of those folks, and uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's sort of common knowledge in Denora among the people who've stayed there for a long time that, uh, you know, the pollution killed the people and then it killed the town. Yeah, I mean, because on one hand, you do have that massive economic driver of everybody working for the same and two companies. And that's exactly it. Yeah. It was what are the massive... industries there now? Is it like a cleaner, gentler zinc factory? A lot of machinery and industrial park kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So not as bad as pumping fluorine into your lungs, but you know, I mean, there has still, to be a way to industry. do that responsibly. I'm not. I'm not there knocking the idea of people having a career as a metal worker, as an industrial machinist. Not at all. Those are no. jobs that are important that need, and they to, be need to be done yeah. here. And, and nowadays, people do do them a lot more safely. Okay. However, uh, people in the United States still die from pollution. And it tends to be people who don't have access to, you know, better housing and better health care. Uh, it's not in the way that the fog killed people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really much more in the terms of long-term chronic exposure to these sort of things. A little less dramatic. The New England Journal of Medicine published a study uh, that proved the danger of fine particulate matter, no matter how small the quantity Mm -hmm. in the atmosphere. Uh, This study was published in 2018. um, And the uh, presidential administration at the time uh, moved to loosen air quality restrictions on coal plants, factory emissions, and uh, to discontinue the EPA's 
particulate matter review panel. Yes. Um, so the Clean Air Act hasn't been dismantled, but it also hasn't been upgraded to deal with any of any new pollutions that have happened since then. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's a shame because, you know, at the time that the Denora smog happened, uh, the approach to environmental issues was actually very much a bipartisan-led approach. Uh, nowadays, of course, in the United States, uh, it has moved to different wings of different parties. Uh, the environment is generally represented by uh, the Democratic Party, and the industry is generally represented by the Republican Party. And uh, the two do not know how to play nice in the same with the same toys in the same sandbox. So the enforcements fall away, and nowadays there are actually the enforcements that are left are basically nothing more than slaps on the wrist. Now I have two sidebars I want to get distracted with to end this on not quite a doom saying note. Please. Uh, the town of Denora, Pennsylvania uh, is nicknamed the home of champions because it has uh, produced not one, but two baseball hall of famers. Nice. Did they play for the Denora dragons? They did not. That was a football team. Oh, what's the baseball team called? Uh, I don't know if they have one there. It's got to be good if it's if they it have the dragons should. playing football. And, and one of the best hitters ever in history, Stan Musial. Ah, was, even I know who he is. <laughs> yep, Stan Musial comes from Denora. Comes from Denora, and so, wow. And so does Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. No kidding. Uh, of course, Ken Griffey Sr. is... Not in the Hall of Fame, but he was a very, 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 very good baseball player. And his son, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, was he also father, a good baseball player, Greg? Uh, very good <laughs> baseball player. Yes, really, Ken Griffey uh... Jr. All right, look, let me put it to you this way. I got to see Ken Griffey Jr. play baseball once, and it's like it's like listening to classical music the way that moves your soul. The man Aww. was brilliant. Um now, his grandfather and Ken Griffey Sr.'s father was Joseph Buddy Griffey, uh, who was a teammate of Stan Musial's on the Denora High School baseball team. And to bring things back to horrible, okay. uh, Stan Musial's father, Lukash, was one of those killed in the Denora smog. So what you're saying is if you breathe in too much smog, you die. But if you breathe in just enough, you go on to become a champion baseball player. Is that what that's what I'm hearing? That feels like that correlation, accurate? not causation. But at the same time, I, you know, can you tell you me cherry, I'm wrong? <laughs> you cherry pick the right data and it will work for you. That is an astonishing number of professional baseball players to come out of such a it's small It's an astonishing town. number of Hall of Famers, right? Yeah. Like that's crazy. Uh, and the final thing that, uh, <laughs> I want to point out Please. is that Denora has a special neighborhood in it that is listed on the National Register of Historic Places Ooh. called Cement City. Okay. Cement City is a neighborhood that is completely made out of preformed and poured concrete homes. This was a... Structural building technique that was uh, a big deal for Thomas Edison mm-hmm. and neighborhoods are, throughout the United States would construct these little cement cities as very low cost housing okay. for employees. Sure. So 
These ones were built for the employee housing for the Denora Steel and Wire Mill. Mm-hmm. And they are still around today. I so if you would... want to live in a house that is made out of concrete <laughs> and you can breathe the air, move to Denora. I Okay. So the air would be a problem, but I do kind of want to live in a house made out of cement, as you and I were just discussing how creaky and loud our wooden houses are. It's true. And now that I know they can melt, I bet yes. those cement houses did not melt. I, they did not. They still stand intact. So here's the deal, by the way. Um, okay. The air in Denora is now basically fine. Um, there's okay. No, uh, the, the ground is green again with the zinc plants and the steel mill Not yellow. Gone. Yes. Okay. Uh, people can breathe freely again. Um, That's good. Right? In the years after uh, the smog... More than 6,000 people's deaths can be traced directly to it. Mm. Uh, And those deaths would last uh, for almost two decades from people having extremely high rates, well above the national average of cancers, uh, to heart attacks. And, of course, there's that whole lungs look like they got hit by a poison gas attack thing. Right. So. Horrible. uh, Yeah. It's all bad. Uh, and the good things that did come out of it are not as great as they used to be. Uh, one step forward. Couple no. steps back. <laughs> no, it's couple steps forward, one step back. No, it's one step forward, a bunch of steps back. See, I think this is the big difference between us. Yeah, that's true. That's I true. deeply You're... want to be an optimist, and I'm trying every day <laughs> to be a little more cheerful. I don't Fair get enough. there. Fair enough. And you've just given so up hope. So that's it. That's the 1948 Denora smog. Horrible. And uh, thank Thanks, you for I the nightmare it. fuel. Yep. Although we give you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available in our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com, or if you'd like to shame us publicly... You do. Go on. You do. Why not use our Instagram, at relative.disasters. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Relative Disasters. We hope you've enjoyed the story. Well, we hope you've sat through the story and discussion. We hope (laughs) you've listened to the story. Oh, it hurts. And please (laughs) join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and interesting event from history. My sister has selected our next disaster. What's it going to be, Ella? Well, Greg, you know we've been on a little bit of a public health kick lately, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but let's leave the U.S. because okay. I think we've covered <laughs> we've covered enough here. Let's sure. go point fingers at someone else's public health system. Oh, uh, we are going to Australia next week, okay. and we're going to talk about the Peel Island Lazarette. That's oh, the okay. leper colony that the state of Queensland came up with. Uh, it worked great. No notes. And no uh, notes. we're just going to yeah. tell you what happened. We're going to talk about there. how good it was. Yep. That's a listener suggestion from our dear listener, Chris, in Berlin. So thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Well, that sounds like an amazing disaster, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. <laughs>